At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Do you want to save money at the grocery store? Eat more organic, whole foods? Cultivate food security and feel more connected to the earth? If so, then growing your own food is a no-brainer. You wouldn't believe how many people come to me claiming that they can't grow their own food. They think they don't have enough space, that they're too busy, or that they simply don't have what it takes. Perhaps you've fallen for one of these gardening myths. If you think you can't grow food, or if you think the only food that you have access to is what you buy in the grocery store, I have a life-changing webinar that you need to see. It's free and will help you unearth your inner gardener. I've helped thousands of people just like you learn to grow their own food and I'm speaking from my own experience when I say that with the right knowledge in place, there is no such thing as a black thumb. With this webinar, you can begin making your garden dreams come true and start growing delicious, nutritious food for your family. Just text GARDEN to 44222 or go to IWantToGarden.com and you will receive our free webinar about the seven key factors you need to know to grow your own food. Remember, that's GARDEN to 44222 or IWantToGarden.com. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the Grow Your Own Food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Rosa Furtosmakin to talk about sourcing food in the digital age. Rosa wants to change the way people connect with food, with their communities, and with the earth. As a tech company founder, she has created a community-driven farm-to-table mobile app called Bytes, set to be released in beta in Metro Phoenix in July. Bytes is a marketplace app for foodies of all socioeconomic levels to connect with and reserve personal chef services offered by homemaker cooks, culinary students, and professional chefs. These participating chefs are encouraged to source ingredients from local farms. These farms, whether they identify themselves as urban, micro, organic, co-op, family-owned, or simply small, are encouraged to participate and gain visibility by visiting the Bytes website and creating a farm profile prior to July 1st, when it will be released in beta, so their profiles will be up and running when the app goes live. Rosa also just started a Phoenix-area local meetup group called Grassroots, intended to encourage foodies, local culinary talent, local farms, and sustainability supporters in community events centered around sustainability and education, all part of the ethos behind the Bites movement. Beyond grassroots, she is working to co-organize and resurrect TEDxPhoenix 
for the local community. Welcome to the show today, Rosa. Thank you very much, Greg. You bet. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at now? Absolutely. I'd love to. So I got my first job at the age of 13 working on my uncle's farms and in his greenhouses and in his uh, open air farmers markets. Wow. And um, yeah, that's that's when I really connected initially with the soil and with the earth and with how things grow and the concept of how we're connected to the earth uh-huh. and um, the concept of sustainability. Um, in the fall of that same year, this is when I was still 13, I was invited with my mom to her university professor's home for a dinner party where his wife um, was making all these wonderful dishes, setting them out on the table in the yard on a picnic table and, and no one was ready to eat yet and she was just barely setting the table and I sit there as a 13-year-old hungry, staring at the food and I ask her, what's that? As she sets down this thing that looked like a, uh, like a pie uh-huh. and she says, this is a quiche and I had never seen quiche before and so... As I ask her, what is quiche? She stops everything else she's doing. She cuts a piece of this quiche. She oh. sits on a, on a little plate in front of me. And then she gives me a fork. And she puts, you know, she tells me to, to take a little bite of this and keep my eyes closed as I'm doing this. Um, I'm right there with you, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and she, it was really about experiencing it. She wanted me to experience the food, experience connecting with the food mm-hmm. and um, with these local produce that she had used to create this quiche. So she was like, close your eyes, keep them closed and taste the flavors, the warmth, the texture, the subtleties, the complexities, and don't just you know chew and swallow this thing. And so I think that was really when I had my first, what Da Vinci would have called culinary enlightenment uh, moment of my life. I was, you know, so young. And yet that made such an impacting mark on me in terms of, you know, my connection with food and then having that same year started working on these farms. Right. Um, I want to, I want to stop you right there mm because I want you to go back to that moment and tell me what you were feeling when you were, you know, when you were sitting in that space of doing that. So in terms of the what I was experiencing as I was like tasting this quiche was something that was more uh, at a deeper level. So I was connecting with something as a human being, really, and really experiencing the, the concept of enjoying flavors and that aspect of being a human being, like the sensory experience yeah. was really saturating down to my bones, to my core of who I am. And and it offered a different level of connection that I hadn't experienced before. And since that time, there have been many times when I will simply, as I'm eating, whether I'm at a restaurant or mm-hmm. just at home with friends, I'll, for a brief moment, I'll actually close my eyes to experience that again, relive that. Wow. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> wow. That's an epic moment in one's life. So what it happened is. then? So that, that sort of stayed with me, and, and those things set the stage, I think, at such a young age for me to then go off and seek new experiences and variety and diversity and uh, different types of culinary adventures. I'm, I'm a big foodie, and I'm a, 
strong supporter of farm-to-table um, eating and the slow food movement and that whole conscientious lifestyle and connecting with the the bounty of the earth. Mm-hmm. And so that stayed with me all these years and informed how I chose to experience food and that whole sense of community around food. And since I happen to be a technology attorney who works with oh. founders and startups, right. um, this sort of on its own organically gelled in my head. You know, I wasn't seeking to create a technology product around this. I wasn't seeking to create an app. It really just uh, on its own in the background was developing and lived in my head for over a year. And I wasn't really doing anything with it, but it kept coming back in in sort of a, I don't want to say in a haunting way, but in a positive way. It kept resurfacing. Uh-huh. And, I, and I felt the, the need to do something with this. And so I, I decided, you know, why don't I put this this concept of an app behind mm-hmm. this sort of experience that I'm craving, um, this <laughs> connection. So that's how yeah. this, this group. Rosa. Yes. The opportunity's knocking. That's when you take it, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Wow. Thank you. So your app, tell us a little bit about your app. It's a mobile app. Yes. It's a marketplace, community-driven uh, mobile app uh-huh. that connects foodies, with local chefs, and those local chefs are really uh, homemaker cooks, culinary school students, and professional personal chefs mm-hmm. who then source their ingredients for the dishes that they're going to make for these foodies. They source from local farms like urban farms, micro farms, co-ops, uh, family-owned, organic, uh, small farms, whatever those farms choose to sort of self-identify as. Right. And they take those ingredients straight into the home of these foodies to create a a holistic, complete dining experience in the intimacy of that foodie's um, home. Wow. So with your app, I can find somebody in my neighborhood. Yes. I happen to be in Phoenix, and you're (laughs) going to launch it this summer in Phoenix. So I can find somebody in my neighborhood close by that could actually come to my house, harvest food from my yard if I chose... Yep. And they'd make me dinner. Absolutely. I'm in. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So this is something that I'm. it's uh, near and dear to me. And the concept of having the beta release locally for uh-huh. me is really important because I care about my community. And I want this to happen in Phoenix and for us to experience it here before, you know, we, we move on and expand. So is Bites going to remain local here in Phoenix, or are you expanding it outside of Phoenix? Yeah, so we will be expanding October 1st. It'll be expanding to the national level. Mm-hmm. So through, through uh, Google Play for the Android users and through the Apple Store for the iPhone users, that will be accessible around the country. But the beta itself, sort of the test group, the people who I want to give me valuable input, feedback on what they like, what they don't like, what they wish it had, what they wish I'd remove. You know, I, their voices matter to me. It's valuable, their mm-hmm. input. And so I really want that to come to me from sort of my own family, my own community right. be- before I go to a national stage. Right. Okay, Valley of the Sun community, if you're listening, go to bites.mobi.com. And download the app and help 
Rosa create an awesome app? <laughs> yeah, it's right. www.bytes.mobi. Perfect. Perfect, perfect. So I want to hear a little bit more story about how this specifically came to be. So, um, you know, we got to the point of you making a uh, an app because you were, mm -hmm. you know, the universe was knocking. So you got <laughs> to the point of doing that. How did it become this? So this has really been uh, something that I have been working on strictly on my own in, in the sense that this is bootstrapped and and it's sort of a labor of love. This is something that I started creating the when, when I had the idea, I started mapping it out and thinking, how will this really work? How will this really serve people? Mm -hmm. How is this really beneficial to people? Right. How mm -hmm. is this a value add in people's lives and to the community and to the economy? So then I wanted to have an ethos behind it that was true to who I am mm -hmm. and to what I'm seeking to do which is something that will be about community building and empowering local communities uh, economically. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, the way I, I set out to sort of uh, put the pieces into place, I, there were some things that I didn't want on there. I didn't want you know, advertising on there. I didn't want it to be an app that anyone paid for. And so I got creative in the sense of how can I make this move forward, right? Um, with really no money. <laughs> right. And and so I think that's, what do they say? There, there's a word, something is the mother of invention. It's like when you don't have something. Necessity. Necessity, thank you. I was thinking scarcity, but that's not the word. <laughs> no, so, that's, that's, that is the case. Uh, although uh -huh. although scarcity could also fit in that sentence. Yeah, it was, it was sort of like that. But in any case... Um, I started building a lot of the pieces myself, so the design of it, the user experience piece of it, wow. the content writing, um, the look and feel and the vibe and the what I want, how I want to communicate or relay the message of you know inclusion and belonging and community through this app. So th those were many, many nights, you know, staying up past midnight, and I still do on a nightly basis. Uh, 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 welcome to our world, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so really, it's, it's just been an ongoing process. Um, there hasn't really been, you know, a start button on this and yeah. a fin finish. So yeah. ethos, some of our listeners may not know what that means. Can you tell us what that means? So it's what I bring to this app from my own heart it's, it's the oh, thinking beautiful. and the the spirit and the soul and the vision and the intent behind the app and it's really more than an app i i created it as a tool as an interactive tool to engage different layers and different socioeconomic levels mm -hmm within the community so that everyone can participate. But it's a tool in a greater conversation and a movement toward sustainability and localized sourcing of foods and moving away from globalized commercial food production that has no benefits whatsoever. So in your words, why is that important? It's important because it has a sense of integrity, credibility, and longevity. It's, it's more timeless. I think when, when you do something that's true to you and authentic and genuine, 
and comes from a place of truly wanting to do good, uh-huh. then it's, it's not a trend. It's not a fad. It's not a quick sell of anything. It, it's really more of a holistic movement in a beneficial direction for all members within a community. Nice. So how does Bytes empower local communities? So with regard to the homemakers, it gives them the opportunity to either supplement their income because maybe perhaps their spouse got laid off work or they would love to, they have a you know dream of opening a restaurant, but they don't have the means and wherewithal to, to do that. And so this gives them the ability to cook and share that experience with people who would enjoy that uh, while they're, they make you know a little bit more income. In terms of culinary school students, it gives them the opportunity to really to build up their portfolio of works so right. that when they go out in the real world and tell this new potential employer, hey, look, these are all the people I cooked for. They loved what I did. Look at their ratings and reviews of me. Please, you know, hire me um, they, when they get out in the world. So it helps right. them to support that. Um, and then in terms of farms, really, it gives them greater visibility and connection with the community. Mm. I call it something like cross-pollination. I, I came up with this. Oh, yeah. I mean, not with that concept, but like in my head, all of a sudden that peaked in my own head. I was like, this is sort of like cross-pollination because these these chefs are going to these farms, sourcing these ingredients, taking them over to the home of these foodies, talking about these hmm. uh, produce, you know, yeah. and talking about the varietal and how this farmer does this and how they rotate crops and then what's next season and and how is this different from this other variety and the taste and flavor and and nutritional content and so on. And so this helps to pique the interests of someone like a foodie who's having this dining experience in their home right. and their curiosity sparks and they're like, huh, maybe we should go check out that micro farm. Maybe <laughs> go check out this urban farm, right? Right. So they send them right back to that farm and, and this helps farmers to uh, grow more for us because now they're more encouraged. There's more people that are, you know, looking at them. Beautiful. I I have to tell you, I'm over here. My heart is singing. (laughs) It it really is because I am so deeply committed to, you know, building a local food economy. I personally believe that the solution moving forward into the coming decades to our food yes. crisis on the planet is growing food locally. Yes. And what you just proposed was a, a an exquisite model of local food yeah. connectivity. Thank you. I think it's really important for people to, you know, connect with and appreciate and respect and understand and have gratitude for what's right around mm. them under their nose. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Literally. Yeah, literally, exactly. So literally. so you've kind of touched on this a little bit, but what's the mission and vision behind Bytes? So I want to help truly build communities, a sense of community. Mm-hmm. And I think especially in this particular, how shall I say, political climate, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, we have a lot of sense of fragmentation, a lot of sense of pain, in a lot of these communities. And this is an app that's about connecting and sort of healing those communities by bringing those people together and by economically empowering them. If we can 
economically empower different layers uh-huh. within our communities. And it's not the 1%, it's <laughs> the rest of us. If we can help empower people within our communities to grow more for us and to connect with resources and talent within our own communities, then we're really empowering ourselves to become stronger as a, with a sense of identity as to who we are, the place we're at, and what we can do when we have a collective voice. Wow. So I'm an entrepreneur. I started my first business when I was 14. And oh, no. I've been self-employed ever since. I've had, I don't know, 20-something businesses. Some of them lasted a sneeze, and a couple of them mm-hmm. have lasted well over a decade, almost to two decades. Uh-huh. And I know, being an entrepreneur, that it's important to monetize this stuff for the long-term sustainability of the project. So sure. how, how are you going to fund this moving forward? I know bootstrapping, you're probably pay for, paying for it yourself right now, which I've done yes. before. But in the long term, it has to, you know, it has to yes. make money. So what's your p- thoughts on that? Sure. So that's also built into the app. Mm-hmm. It's that the chefs, and, and I talked to, to a whole slew of chefs, actually, uh, both within Arizona and in other states, uh-huh. prior to telling them what number I had in my head. So I had a number in terms of a rev share, you know, revenue sharing model, uh, that that I uh, was thinking to plug in here, right. but I didn't want to plug it in yet because I wanted to really gauge what is their opinion on this and what is, you know, because they're going to be participating. So right. I wanted to make sure I have true buy-in and true support and so that people aren't going to drop off. I asked them, you know, what what percentage would you think is fair in terms of revenue sharing with this app. Mm-hmm. And they they pretty much came across the board saying 20%. So basically if the app took 20 and they took 80, uh-huh. they'd be good with that. And then my response to that with a gigantic smile was, well then you will be more than happy <laughs> because uh, I'm really only taking 12% oh, uh, wow. rev share and the so your you know your 20% is is really there's a large space in in there yeah. for you to either you know make more money and or to decrease your pricing to these foodies so that more people will engage nice nice i have yeah. to tell you i have to tell you when you were sharing that and when you were asking me because you were asking the farmers um, <laughs> or, or i'm sorry you were asking the chefs um, yes. what came to my mind was 20% yeah, twenty percent. And see, the the thing is that um, I take twelve. I take twelve percent uh-huh. for this app. There's three percent that goes to the credit card companies, yep. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's how it it beautiful. works. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> so you're also pretty active locally on some other fronts around food, and you've started a meetup project. Can you tell us about that? Sure. Um, I recently started a meetup called grassroots. Uh, It's here locally in Phoenix, and it's only a few days in, but I've got about 33 or so uh, members already. Nice. And thank you. And uh, it's really about community building, bringing in the foodies, bringing in the different levels of culinary talent, and bringing in all the farms Mm -hmm. to participate in these local events that I want to help set up and these educational pieces about sustainability that I want to incorporate. Yeah. So it's, it's a 
move it's part of what I call the bites movement because the app is called bites so oh, nice. it's really a part of that movement it's called grassroots because I really do believe in doing things at a grassroots level yeah. um, amen to that <laughs> amen to that all right so I actually lied to you I have one more question before we shift here sure and I want you to give some reflective words on the ethos behind your work so some reflective words would be inclusion would be belonging would be letting everyone play would be grassroots those are some words that come to mind when i think about the ethos behind the app community yeah it's yeah. all it's really bringing pieces together so we yeah. don't have that fragmentation yeah excellent excellent all right well i'm going to shift on you and okay. I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you <laughs> overcame that failure, and what you might have learned from it. Okay. Well, let's see. Uh, about eight years ago, I had started this organic children's clothing line with fair trade fabrics. I was showcasing some original children's poetry that I had written, because I can also write like goofy, silly stuff. Uh-huh. And... This, this children's poetry I had written and had it printed on these shirts with natural vegetable dyes. And there, I had talked to Whole Foods in all of Arizona. Uh -huh. I had talked to Neiman Marcus in Barney's New York, so very high-end retailers. And they were very much interested in this clothing line and in piloting it at several of their locations. Oh, yeah, it was it was really this is actually the year before I even got pregnant and had a child. So I was uh -huh. thinking about all this before that. And what happened is I failed to get this company that I had uh, started called Orgpo, Org for Organic Poetry, Orgpo, uh -huh. um, off the ground due to the fact that I couldn't find a manufacturer mm -hmm. anywhere in the US who would produce, manufacture these pieces for me without asking ridiculously giant volumes, you know, so I, I couldn't right. get someone to do a small amount. Mm -hmm. So what happened is that never got off the ground. I never got to place a single piece in any of these stores that wanted to pilot. And the clothing samples went right back into a storage bin and went into my closet. And I decided I have to put this idea on hold until some type of solution presents itself because mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not interested in outsourcing this to China. I don't want to do that. I want to do this, you know, within the U.S. Yeah. So I'm going to sit on it. Interestingly, <laughs> just a couple of weeks ago, literally, I came across these two fabulous women in Tempe who have started a fashion incubator and manufacturing space called Fabric. And they have like 20,000 something square feet in Tempe and I talked to them and learned that I am exactly the kind of person that they would love to work with. And so because I have that idea, I had a market for my product. Right. And so now I might just revisit the whole notion of starting the children's clothing line again since there's finally a manufacturer who will work with me on s small volumes. It just took mm -hmm. that time, didn't it? It it took like about 8 years, but yeah. Yeah. And what I really learned from this whole thing is that timing is such a critical component of your success mm. and what you take on. Mm -hmm. The time has to be right. The stars have to align. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have seen that over and over and over again in my entrepreneurial yeah. life. Yeah. 
So what do you consider your biggest success? So as a writer, um, even before I went to law school, I was, I was always a writer my entire life and mostly of poetry. My biggest success, I'd say, is having my chapbook of poems called Strangers in the Skies of the Dead selected for publication by an Emmy Award winning small press publisher back in 2010. Wow. That's what I was most proud of because as a writer, like, you know, to have that validation by a, a publisher that you didn't pay to publish you right. is, is awesome. It feels great. How cool is that? Congratulations. Thank you. So what drives you? What drives me? Creating meaning in my life, intentional living, uh, seeking to fulfill my potential for learning mm. creativity as a human being. That's what drives me. Yeah. So mm. I'm all about education and I have to know, is there a book that's been influential for you in this process in your life? Yes, but I feel sort of silly telling you what that book is. <laughs> good, then it's a good one. Go. <laughs> it is my favorite book of all time. It's called The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein. There you go. Tell us yeah. about it. So it's, it's really about giving of ourselves and finding joy and doing good for others. It's about doing things from the heart. It's about mm -hmm. love. Mm -hmm. And so this is a book that... I mean, I'm 46, but if I pick this book up right now and start reading it, I will cry. Yeah. I love this book. Sweet. So Thanks. what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? A piece of advice I'd have for your listeners would be to let your life be a series of meaningful actions in support of conscious living. You know, your words today are... <laughs> Are, are are golden for me. You keep you keep sharing, and my heart's just singing. You know? uh, yeah, you you left me speechless on a couple of points. That that, that doesn't happen very often. Oh. So any, well. anything else you'd like to share? I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to share this story, and for the opportunity to engage with you and your listeners, mm -hmm. and with the local community. It's, it's meaningful to me uh, what I'm doing. I care about it. I believe in it. And um, I am hoping to have all my actions move in a beneficial way yeah. for the community. Yeah. Well, what's clear for me out of your sharing is that you're into this. It's who you are <laughs> and what you're supposed yes. to be doing in the world. And yes. so therefore it's going to happen. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience with us today, Rosa. It's been a treat getting to chat with you. Thank you so much, Greg. It's been a real pleasure. You bet. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? Well, they can go to www.bytes.mobi and they can click on contact us and send me a message there. Mm -hmm. My email is rf, it's my initials, rf at warehouseappsphx.com. Perfect. I also want you to include, Rosa, any information about how people can actively participate and work with you and be involved with the app when it releases. Absolutely. So whether they're foodies or culinary talent or local farms, they can go and visit the website 
and click on join the bytes movement or join our community or sign up for our app and literally what happens is that they get this form that pops up that takes their name and email mm -hmm. address that will let them know uh, once we're launching locally in beta that now the the app is available and then they can go in there and start participating cool well i know from yes. from the sheer intent that i hear in your voice that this is going to be successful so <laughs> thank you, you you can find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash bites that's b-i-t-e-s well that's it for today thanks for joining us on the urban farm podcast do you want to save money at the grocery store, eat more organic whole foods, cultivate food security, and feel more connected to the earth? If so, then growing your own food is a no-brainer. You wouldn't believe how many people come to me claiming that they can't grow their own food. They think they don't have enough space, that they're too busy, or that they simply don't have what it takes. Perhaps you've fallen for one of these gardening myths. If you think you can't grow food, or if you think the only food that you have access to is what you buy in the grocery store, I have a life-changing webinar that you need to see. It's free and will help you unearth your inner gardener. I've helped thousands of people just like you learn to grow their own food, and I'm speaking from my own experience when I say that with the right knowledge in place, there is no such thing as a black thumb. With this webinar, you can begin making your garden dreams come true and start growing delicious, nutritious food for your family. Just text GARDEN to 44222 or go to IWantToGarden.com and you will receive our free webinar about the seven key factors you need to know to grow your own food. Remember, that's GARDEN to 44222 or IWantToGarden.com. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.